hola, hola, my name is Ricardo, I am the host of the Lucha Jovers podcast here in the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. We are a Spanish-speaking show dedicated to discussing and analyzing pro wrestling from all across the world. From AW to CMLL, we talk about American wrestling, Japanese wrestling, and of course, Lucha Libre. If something big happened in the pro wrestling world, we will talk about it. So if you know Spanish or have a friend that knows Spanish or want to practice your Lucha Libre pronunciations, go listen to the Lucha Jovers podcast right here in the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Nos vemos por ahí. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Uh, 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 uh. Competition starting to get thick, it's the click So I hope you watch your A-game, A-mate, no lanes On the track when we unite and spit, this isn't A-game Better bring your A-game Competition starting to get thick, it's the click So I hope you watch your A-game, A-mate, no lanes Hey now, it's the Mike and JD Show, and I'm your host, Mike Gilbert, and I'm joined as always by JD by God Oliva. How you doing, JD? Not joined as always. I have made my return. Fun is back <laughs> yes. on the Mike and JD Show, and yeah, I'm, I actually missed doing the show last week, so I'm back. Yeah. It's good to be home. How was that? How were the state championships? Um, eh, could have been better. Could have been worse. Could have been better. We had a kid that we thought could win it. He wound up taking fifth. We had a kid that we thought was going to place. He uh, he got nervous under the bright lights. You know, I had a kid that was very average all year who was a match away from placing, and he outperformed. But we had everybody else kind of underperformed a little bit. So, um, you know, it could have been a lot worse, but I think it could have been a lot better. I think we overachieved in getting kids there. I think that we did what we wanted when we got them there. But, you know, we have high expectations. So another year to build, another year to grow. Well, that's awesome, man. Well, we are we are glad to have you back. Thank you to uh, to Joe Gilbert, Fed Pill Joe himself was uh, was in the co-host seat just last week, and uh, it was really fun to get to talk to him. It's kind of nice just to have my cousin on the show because I don't actually like like we don't actually get to talk like face to face. We text a lot, but that's about it. So uh, it was nice just to have like a family member on the show who is a uh, kind of just a big of wrestling fanatic as we are. So um, yeah, th- that was a lot of fun. And, um, I, I am so excited for what we got coming up on the Mike and JD show YouTube channel next week. So if you're watching this on, uh, on YouTube, if you're on the Mike and JD show network, thank you for being here. If you're on the voices of wrestling network, thank you for being here. Greatly appreciate it. Um, we're also on Apple podcast, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And we're also on Patreon, patreon.com slash the Mike and JD show. It's where you can get this audio early and ad free. Um, and plus a, bu- a bunch of bonus content. Speaking of which next week, on the Mike and JD Show YouTube channel, we are going to introduce Sting Week. So JD and I on our Patreon, we've been banking uh, episodes where we're just like, and is this actually just happened like naturally uh, one day where we just decided to start talking like we just want to talk about Sting more, and um, and we started to do that. So uh, our first episode was like I want to think I want to say like in November, and it wasn't like planned to be a part of any type of special deal or anything. But uh, we did a full podcast just talking about the history of Ric Flair versus Sting and um, and that great feud because AEW had just brought Flair in, announced him that he was going to be a part of Sting's last match, all that stuff. So we did a full episode on that. 
And then we just kept talking about Sting. And we're like, oh, you know, what? I think we've got something here. We have like a full week of episodes. So they're already all, all most of them are already on our Patreon. JD and I have one more to, uh, to record. We're going to do that this weekend. We're going to record Sting versus Hogan. Um, but we have Sting versus Flair. We did Sting and Vader. Sting and Cactus Jack. Sting versus the Dangerous Alliance. Um, Joe and I, last week, we did Sting versus Kurt Angle, which was a lot of fun. And then, so now we got another one. Yeah, we got another one coming up, Sting versus Hogan. So we have a full week of just episodes that I'm going to release every single day on our YouTube, uh, Sting Week. It's going to be awesome. It is going to be awesome. I'm excited. Um, I think we're going to load up on some of our Patreon content. you got a brace for impact. I'm coming out of retirement with JD Oliva Project this weekend. So, yeah, man, cool. Yeah. Um, if you want early access to all that stuff and you don't want to wait like to get one show a day on uh, on uh, on on YouTube and we're going to have full audio and video on Patreon because some of our stuff I can't put on YouTube because it's just JD and I watching matches and uh, WWE will <laughs> they'll, they'll block our shit for it. So like Take we watched care. the full 1992 War Games match where Sting um, uh, the Sting Squadron took on Dangerous Alliance. And that was a lot of fun. Yes, it was. By the way, if you haven't ever watched War Games 1992, go ahead and pause the show. Go watch War Games 92. Mike and I will be back. We understand. We will we mm-hmm. we we are not the Dangerous Alliance. We are not the Spring Squadron. We're below the totem pole. So like go watch that show. It's still I think it's still the best War Games match that ever had. Yeah, you dude, I I had not watched that in years and I was honestly like a little bit surprised at just how well that match held up like after mm-hmm. all this time over 30 years. I think a lot of WCW stuff from the early nineties, the work rate was so different than WWF at the time. And I think a lot of it has aged really well because I think that pro wrestling has kind of come close. Like mainstream wrestling has come closer to a WCW was in ring wise at the time than what WWE was at the time. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't see a lot of like what WW with the exception of Brett with the exception of like, you don't see a lot of what WWF was doing back then in wrestling now, but you see a lot of what WCW was doing like that, you know, mm-hmm. that high impact style. And you saw that in this, in this match, like it was kind of a, what we see because, you know, today the ring busts, not frequently, but frequently enough where we see the ring being destroyed in 1982. You never saw, you know, people hitting each other with the actual turn buckle, like the metal turn buckle. You didn't see people beating each other with that back then. So in some ways, it was ahead of its time. A lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, no, in a lot of ways, it really was ahead of its time. Um, but speaking of not holding up very well, uh, John Cena was on uh, Howard Stern yesterday. And uh, I'm going to go ahead. And, uh, I'm sure, J.D., you have probably not heard this audio. I can't play the whole thing. But uh, Brandon Thurston posted a clip. Yeah. Brandon Thurston played a clip. I'm going to play a couple of seconds of it, then I'll read a, I'll read a transcript from it. But uh, he had spoke to Howard Stern. This was from yesterday. Um, he actually recorded about five minutes of a little over an hour of their conversation. I better get to the present screen. I almost just played it to where I was going to be the only guy hearing it. So let me let me actually get this up. So um, so Stern, I, I thought you know people are giving Stern a hard time. And as you guys know, I'm a big Stern fan. I understand what he was doing whenever he set this question up. He's trying to make John Cena feel comfortable and make him open up uh, when talking about the subject. But little did he know that John Cena is super roboto when talking about uh, Vince McMahon. Uh, here, here's, some, uh, here's some of Howard and uh, Cena from yesterday. But you, this is a guy who's been so good to you sure, and so great in your career. I imagine it's a mind fuck. And then when you get asked about it, it's like it's too complicated to even talk about. So... Um... I don't 
I don't think it's complicated to talk about. I think it's complicated to listen to. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of why I, I don't necessarily put a lot of time and equity into it. Yeah. Um, again, I think you, you know, we, there's, there's still a long ways to go. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I can say this, I'm, uh, a big advocate of love and friendship and honesty and communication. But in the same breath, I'm also a big advocate of accountability. Yeah, me too. Um, I think you explained it well of if someone's behavior lies so far outside your value system <laughs> that the balance shifts of like, man, I, I can't operate in a world where this works. Yeah. That's that's the end result of being accountable. Uh, you do, okay, I can't but, I can't I can't listen to I can't listen to it anymore. So uh, <laughs> but you it was he, he oh. was trying so hard not to say he, this guy's a fucking creep. You know what I mean? Like he just couldn't mm. say it. No, but he does. He's like talking about well, he's my friend. Ultimately, he came back yeah. to Vince as his friend. So his value system, you know, little bit, you know. His vices was perfectly fine with the dude shitting in someone's hair. Right. I just, I can't, I can't, I can't process this man. Like it's not hard to just kind of not say nothing, you know? And he, he manages to say so many words without fucking saying a thing. Right. He's so, this is why he was, this is why he was the centerpiece of WWE for so long because he's just so full of shit. Like you can't, like God forbid you use the word Taiwan in a sentence, John. But I mean, like <laughs> this, this you tap dance around. Fuck. What, like I, I'm super yeah, disappointed he, in him as a human being. Like at this whole. Yeah, time. me too. Because he's always kind of like one of the good guys. You know what I mean? Um, but he said, right now I'm gonna love the person I love. Be oh. their friend. I love you. Uh, you have a hill to climb. That rape charges uh sex trafficking charges hill to climb there that's a pretty big hill buddy uh there's a saying of you don't know who your friends are until shit hits the fan or shit hits somebody's hair or your back is against the wall that doesn't make any of what's going on any easier to swallow just telling someone you love them it's a hill to climb and we'll see what happens Uh, that is one john cena on the sex trafficking charges against uh, vince mcmahon the wwe or when you forcibly press someone against the wall and hold them there while you yeah. violate them. I just, we're not talking about a guy who got busted for, you know, bringing drugs over the border, right? This nice. isn't Steve Williams in 1992. This is abhorrent charges. And I hate that we have to fucking do this all the time, but sometimes I feel like people stuff slide and right. John Cena is as very well trained in the media and how to deal with media, but this is, and this isn't the first time that John Cena's made a complete ass of himself on the Howard Stern show. Howard's better at it than most people, quite frankly, because he went on Stern, yeah. ooh, fifth, oh, God, almost 20 years ago, and shit on the Lake Chris Canyon, mm-hmm. right? Like, he, uh, I, I, I don't know, man. We're at our, a person is defined by how they act in moments of conflict. And all I'm seeing from John Cena in moments of conflict is cowardice. And it's really mm-hmm. disappointing. It's really disappointing. He has an opportunity to get in front of it and be bold. He can he can say, you know, Vince, absolutely, like, I owe a lot to him and yada, yada, yada. But if this shit that they're saying about him is true, like, I want nothing to do with that guy. Like, but instead he dances around and uses, like, corporate buzzwords. Like, it goes yep. against my value system. 
like be a human being, dude. Say like this, this is disgusting. It's abhorrent. And if it's true and you know, I, I'm not going to have this guy in my life anymore. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I think, I think that's okay to say. And I think it's okay to say if it's true, because especially if like, that's your friend, like that's somebody that you're close to and you, you, you probably want to wait for all the facts to come out, but like, it's more than just one allegation. It's like, we're, we're like Weinstein, Bill Cosby level, like to where we're, we're talking about a lot here and more and more just keeps coming out about not only the stuff that he was engaging in, but stuff that he overlooked all throughout his career. We're not going on Epstein territory, to be honest with you. Like, yeah, yeah. I just, is he so programmed? Like, is he such a corporate robot that he's just kind of eradicated all actual human feeling from him, from his actual persona now, where all he can do is just be John Cena, the corporate puppet. And like, we don't human part of him totally gone. Like, is that where we are with him? I think so, because um, JD, okay, say JD, you're in a movie, right? JD gets cast in a movie. It's a big right. movie, a big picture, and it's it screened very well. Fan, the audience scores are through the roof. Um, and when it comes time to release the movie, the movie studio just tosses it away. Like say Co- Coyote, a Wiley Coyote versus Acme, right? Mm-hmm. Which is what just happened. John Cena was in that movie. Howard asked him about that and said, "Aren't you pissed about that?" And he goes. Well, no, you know, I, I, I did my best in the movie and it's out of my control. I just nothing I could do about it. Um, and they felt that this was the best thing they could do is this. They're just moving chess pieces here. And this is just one chess piece that they move. And that way they can save uh, save it for another move later. I'm just like, dude, he is a complete robot at this point. He has, he has no, no human emotion. There's no human emotion there. He's fucking dead. No, that's I was gonna say he was data from Star Trek the Next Generation, but that's not even true. Data's whole arc was that he tried to have human emotion and tried to be human. John Cena is one of the freaking Borg. Like he's just got no yeah. humanity left in him. Like it's just these are and I kind of understand what he means about like there's a lot of actors that have the opinion of like, hey, I did my work while working. Whatever happens after is after. I interviewed um, Brian Cranston once. And he said, my, my reward is doing work because I can't control what happens after that. You know, because again, like so many actors like live and die by their reviews and how this thing performed and blah, blah, blah. So I understand that. But then at the same time to go ahead and start complimenting Zaslav's moves, like that's when you lose me. It's like, there's nothing left in him. Like the whole WWE corporate literally broke side of him that's a living breathing emotional human being. And we're left with just this automaton, this android. Like, fuck, dude, show some fucking emotion. Like, yeah, I, I hate to say be more like Randy Orton, but in this case, be more like Randy Orton. Now, people are still coming after Randy Orton, um, but I, I thought that his his comments are a little bit refreshing when he was asked about it. This is from uh, Sports Illustrated. He said, I got to say this. I wouldn't be where I am without Vince uh, taking a chance on me a handful of times. I would not be where I am today without him. But fuck, I'm reading this shit, and what have, what you've seen in red, and I've seen in red as far as commenting on it, it fucking hurts my heart. Um, and then he he did a couple more interviews, but I was just like, I think that's a very like human. honest way to say it. it's a human response to this because I know and and what Howard was trying to get at, and that's why he's probably the best interviewer that there is out there at this point. I mean, the guy's been doing it for you know almost fifty years, mm-hmm. um, where he he was trying to come at it from not like an antagonistic approach when he's asking the question he's trying to meet him on a human level trying to open up that human side of cena and to just and he was met with the most robotic corporate buzzword 
like talk uh, in history. Um, and I was just like, it's like, damn, like if you can't get real with Howard, man, who can you get real with? I'm Randy Orton is someone with a checkered past. I mean, I don't think anybody would argue that he's very, very immature, but over the last few years, it seems like he has made an effort to become a better human being. Like, it seems like this marriage is working. He's trying to be a dad. Like I'm a firm believer yeah. in men, men's past should not be erased, but it, you know, I try to value, I try to make value judgments on people based on who they are now and understand that we've mm-hmm. all had, we've all got skeletons in our closet. We've all got things we're not proud of. We're all, dude, we're all making mistakes every day. Right. So like I see this from Randy Orton. I see a guy who understands the, the severity of the situation and who's acting like a real person and who seems like he's acting like he didn't know any of this stuff, you know, like saying something like it hurts my heart. Like, Randy Orton, which is so funny because on camera, he's the one that always came off like the automaton robot. And John Cena was yeah. always the guy who seemed like he was so human, which just goes to show you that wrestling is bullshit. Right? I don't know, man. I'm actually, or, again, Orton's not a perfect person. I don't think he'd tell you he's a perfect person. But um, his reactions to this are far more human than than the overwhelming majority of wrestlers I think we've heard from on this subject. Yeah. <laughs> uh he he really he really is and you know what like i'm look and you you i think you said it perfectly like i'm also a guy that has mm-hmm. made some mistakes and kind of like in my position now where i'm a i'm a first sergeant you know like a first sergeant light like i have a guy over me but i handle a lot of the work and a lot of the cases and like somebody comes in i'm like the perfect guy to talk to about their problems because chances are i've either experienced it myself i've done the things that they've done or I've been close to somebody that has done those things or that has had those things happen to them. And I, I can relate to them on a human level. Right. And um, so when I see a guy like Randy Orton, like making, like actively making changes in a life, I'm just like, you know, good for you. Like, I hope nobody judges me based off the guy that I was when I was, you know, roaring around Korea when I was 25 years old, you know what I mean? Cause like, that, mm-hmm. I'm just not that, I'm not that dude anymore. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm 40, I'm married. You know, I got a, I got a kid, like I'm a completely different dude. Like the things that I would say to people back then are just not going to come out of my mouth anymore. That's just not who I am. You know, I was having a conversation on Sunday with a friend of mine who's getting into coaching and uh, I was telling her that, you know, I said, people like us, we've got, you know, I, I use this not specifically Mike, but just like as, as a metaphor, but we have battle scars and war stories and we've tasted failure and defeat and victory. And like, this is what's going to, these are the things that are going to make you a good coach. These are the things that make you a good teacher, make you a good mentor is the fact that you've had experience in life and you're going to take those life lessons and apply them. Right. And make, and you're using them to make young men, better men. Right. Yeah. That's your, that's your job. It's kind of mine too. Like, this is what we do. And I hear Randy Orton. I hear a guy who's, I believe, trying to be better, right? Like I hear, yeah. I think we all have like regrets from our 20s. Who doesn't? If you can't look back in your 20s and go, God, I wish I didn't do that. Like what, you know, <laughs> yeah. and I don't, I, I've lived, I try to live straight and narrow as much as possible. But like, even I have stuff where I'm like, why did you do that? Like, you know, those Dude, moments. Like- on on a daily basis, I'm like, man, I sh- I shouldn't have said that that way, right? Mm-hmm. Or I shouldn't have treated this person like that. Like that should not have been my response. Mm-hmm. But here's how you know, like you're growing, and here's how you know you're like, you know, kind of a wiser person is you're willing to take accountability for those moments and like, hey, look, I shouldn't have said it that way. Like that's not the way I meant it. Or maybe you did mean it that way. But like, you know what? 
I'm 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 having a rough one today. I I I need to be better than that. You know, hey, forgive me. I, I you know I'll try my best not to let that happen again. You know, like that that kind of like daily accountability. Um, I I think is is very important in the in the growth of like of everybody. And that's why like I try not to 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 dogpile on somebody who's actively trying to make a difference in their life. Now, if they're not really one of those people that's like willing to take accountability, they're just hoping everybody forgets. Well, that's a little bit different, right? Different. Because you, you, you really haven't, um, you're, you're still carrying that burden. Right. Um, and you're, you're wanting everybody to forgive you despite the fact that you're not actively changing that becomes a little bit different. And so, um, and that's why I hate to see people kind of getting, you know, getting away with things time and time again without ever changing. And, to circle back to, to Vince, that's the type of guy that we're talking about, right? Like this isn't a guy that made mistakes. This is a guy who committed horrific crimes against humanity, right? Multiple like times. They were multiple times and continued Over to get away from decades. it. Over and if you're decades. wondering why, and if you're wondering why we start the show every week on this stuff, it's because it's about time that this guy faced some type of accountability, right? And what that is, that's up to the, you know, the court system. That's not up to JD and I. If if I had my way, I, you know, I'll tell you offline exactly what I think. But <laughs> I've heard. I think you, yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I I think that's why it's important that we continue to talk about the story. We talk about the villains in the story, and unfortunately, um, it's not going to get. I don't think it's going to get much coverage. But John Cena just became, I think, like a minor, like bit part villain in the story with uh, his his lack of response. I would say, like. We always talk about in coaching, you can't be doing things the way your coaches did it or the way that, you know, it was done 10, you were doing it 10 years ago, right? We're trying to grow. We're trying to be better people. We're trying to like, you know, look back on how things were and like, I'm going to be better. And like the people say, well, this is the way it's always been. This is what I did. So it's fine. Like, and that's what Vince is. That's what Vince is going through right now. It's like, this is the way it's always been. It's fine. Everyone's on board with it. And unfortunately they created a culture where that kind of behavior was not only tolerated, but it seems like it was celebrated. Yeah. And I guess this is uh, this is where I'm at. And I've, I've talked about it multiple times on the show over the last like couple months. It's like, I'm so thoroughly disgusted with how our peers in the wrestling media and wrestling fans are, are trying to write this off or forget about it. That like, it's really had an impact on my enjoyment of, of pro wrestling as a whole right now. I'm trying yeah. to get over that. I'm trying to be better. I'm trying to work to be better. Um, but it's been tough. And then you hear someone like that. You do. I mean, I thought very highly of John Cena. I Me really too. did. He's yeah. the good guy, right? Like he had the hustle, loyalty and respecting. Like he, it seemed like he believed in that. And like with the, the stuff with the make a wish kids, but like I hear this and I'm like, was that just part of a care? And then again, I'm just, I'm just pontificating here. Is that part of a carefully crafted image? Is that like, was that stuff you did to make it look, you know what I'm saying? Like I have to, when that's your reaction to human suffering, when that's your reaction to human suffering, it makes me question everything I thought about you. And again, yeah. maybe that's my problem. Maybe that's something that I have to work on, but I mean, it's just, I'm having a hard time reconciling it from some, like I just expected more from that guy. Yeah, me too. And a real lack of empathy from the alleged victims. Right. And, uh, and I think that's, you know, the, the key the key part of it. Um, and he just, I don't know, he just showed no emotional, you know, you brought up the wrestling media again and, um, I, always will. I wanted, yeah, I want, yeah, I wanted to bring up this part and uh, shout out Warren Hayes, uh, Warren wow. Hayes, a f- friend guy. of the show. Yeah. He's great. Well, we need to have him on. I, I invited him on. He accepted it. We just haven't connected to make it well, happen. We got to do that. 
Yeah, he, he was talking today in the Voices of Wrestling Slack and, uh, you know, Vice Media. Did you see what's going on with Vice Media? How, no. like, the new, I'm so, I'm the, so the out new, of it um, right now. Continue. Dude, the new, you know, Vice got sold, right, to right. this new company, this big company, and right. they just shit canned all of Vice, right? Like, the website's going down. So they're giving, like, the writers, like, a time hack and to get, like, their stories that they posted on there, or they're going to be deleted forever. Like, they're just completely shit-canning the whole operation, right? Jesus Christ. So all these journalists, not only, they're and they're laying off, like, hundreds of people, right? It's like bloodletting over there. It's it's awful. <coughs> well, one of those people is Tim Marchman, who's been kind of on the forefront of this story, specifically yeah. the Ashley Massaro case. Um, and Warren did a good job by just, you know, reaching out to him on uh, Blue Sky, and said, hey, you know, I really hope that um, despite the fact that Vice is going under, that Tim Marchman is able to continue his work because it's important work. And I and I would agree. And fortunately, Tim, like, responded to Warren and said, my coverage is going to continue. Um, and and I'm and I'm really I'm really glad about that because he's kind of he's like a wrestling fan. But he's like a legit reporter. He's like an outsider. Mm-hmm. Um, so to kind of have him on our side on this deal and kind of covering the story in depth, I think is super important. Um, and it's a you know, tough day at the office for the, the vice folks, but I'm really glad that we got him. We're in a scary place in, in traditional media right now where I don't know what the future lies for print. The death of print media is scary because like everything becomes consolidated and how do you make yeah. money? Like, how does, how do any, like, how do any of us make money? Cause like, if you're a legitimate journalist, you can't do what we're doing, you know, like right. you, your message doesn't go out. And there's a lot of people that have been able to monetize Substack. And like, mm-hmm. that's one example. And it just is a way to continue coverage of news and talk about important stories. So whatever, whatever he decides to go with from here, I hope that it can be with a, a medium where you can still have a reach, like a powerful yeah. reach. Like, cause we need, we need legit journalists on the forefront fighting the good fight because when good people don't care anymore and turn a blind eye is when we lose everything. Like, I'll, I'll say fuck the fightful guy until the day I die. Like Jimmy Van, piece of shit. Like you don't get to say, you don't get to say, oh, thank you, Vince. And then turn around later and go, I didn't know when you clearly knew. Clearly yeah. knew. Like I, I will never, I will never stop beating that drum for these people that are going to sing praises of people who who aided and abetted these things. Like it's, um, no, fuck them all, man. Fuck them all. Yeah, well, Tim, Tim Marchman uh, has uh, he, he has a spot on the Mike and JD show anytime he wants. But he's he's kind of big time. I don't think. We'll yeah, o- open, <laughs> open invite. That's yeah, probably open, open invite. Um, you know, JD, you you mentioned um, you know, growth and people and turning around and utilizing their mistakes to become coaches, and that reminded me of this really good documentary I just saw recently called Independence Wrestling ah. with the Community, where one of the coaches um, actually failed in his high school career he kind of he kind of choked at a high level and he used that uh, failure in his life to go back and coach kids to state and that's kind of what we do right and i use a lot of my failures in life to go back and, and coach you know young men and women and teach them like hey here's the path to do it you don't have to do the things that i did here's a better way to do it um and if you're interested in independence wrestling with a community directed by jd oliva uh you can go to the mike and jd show youtube channel right now it's there for free um just uh check it out independence wrestling with the community jd i'm pretty decent the low budget crappy (laughs) filmmaking thing um like that's actually a fun story uh i actually got a this is about 2010 i get a call one morning from a woman in independence iowa third grade teacher who's like um i have all i have a hundred hours of footage 
and I don't know what to do with it. And I'd started to develop a little bit of a reputation. They, they said these Wisconsin whitewater coaches told me to call you. And I'm like, oh. So I talked for like an hour with this woman on the phone. I'm like, oh, my God, there's a story out here. So I actually moved out to Independence. I lived there for like two, two, three weeks over a summer. And then I brought my guys out there and we basically finished the movie and like, you know, gave it a spine and, and like took this all this stuff and made a story out of it. So um, that was a fun project to do. And it's actually I was pleasantly surprised at how well it had aged. Like this is stuff like between that and Last Maverick. I hadn't. Thanks, man. David Hadley says it was a damn good film. Dude, he just watched it. It was amazing. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, thanks. These David. are things I haven't watched in over a decade. And like I, I look back at my. I look back at my film career and be like, what a fucking piece of shit that whole thing was. Like, I don't look back fondly on those days. And uh, it's kind of nice that some of this stuff is getting some new life. And um, I don't know, makes this old teacher happy that, you know, maybe I wasn't completely worthless at the, at the thing I studied for all these years. <laughs> well, I really like Last Maverick. Um, and that's that we need to get that link out too. That's um, that's over on what's that on Daily Motion. I can't remember which Vimeo. one. Vimeo. Vimeo. Yeah, it's on on Vimeo and um and then over on our YouTube uh Independence is over on the Mike and JD show YouTube channel. Um so yeah, go ahead and check those movies out. Um King of the North is back. He's here for his weekly check-in. Hey. Uh he's currently going crazy on Twitter about what's going on in Noah. He's he's not happy. <laughs> Dude, I'm so <laughs> I'm so out of it right now because I've been so yeah. focused on amateur wrestling for the last month and a half. What's what? How did Noah King I, of the North? What is going yeah. on in Noah this week? I mean, we got a guy who knows what's going on. But yeah. like, before I bring well, it to him, I want to know what the, the, the dirt is. Give me the dirt. Yeah, well, they, they have a show going on right now. I, I'm obviously I'm not watching it because I'm here with you, but um, it's probably a show I'm gonna check out this weekend. But yeah, King of the North not happy with what's going on in Noah. <laughs> Shit um, sucks. <laughs> you have to go to his Twitter to find out more details. But he's live tweeting the show. He's like, I, I was like, it's like North is not happy today. <laughs> I feel like that was the core of my Twitter account from like october yeah. to like january i think i've tweeted that same thing like a bazillion times fuck wrestling i okay. hate this shit so much oh king of the north says saying, bro the show happening right now is headlined by jack morris versus anthony green because that's why we watch pro wrestling noah for jack morris yeah. versus <laughs> anthony green i i actually i really like jack morris i think he's I got too. a future yeah i, I think he's got a future not, i think anthony green's like a life. decent they're, they're they're a decent little wrestler. He's a decent little wrestler. I just I just don't see him ever being a star. But I think Jack Morris could be something one day. Yeah, he's maybe, pretty yeah. good. Yeah, he's he's not bad. I just don't see that as being like a Noah main event. Two two Gaijin like that. I just I don't I don't see that. Yeah, but is is tonight's show kind of like their? Um, I don't know. Like kind of a side show. Like it, it can't be like a big show, right? Like I don't know. I'm out of it. I'm I'm out. I'm out I, of the loop. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I feel you. Hey, let's go to the let's go to the next topic. We've got a few more topics to hit before we call it a night. Um, this one, we Joe and I talked about this last week. We predicted this one. Uh, Jennifer Pepperman is all elite. Um, she was a writer in the WWE system for a long time. She's kind of like Mercedes Monet's friend. Um, uh, AEW has hired her. She's like this the uh, vice president of content something i don't know like everybody got so many evps in that company but bullshit said, uh, yeah and then dave dave said when she when she quit wwe last week i was actually told by wwe that they expected that she'd be in AEW very soon because of her connection with mercedes and she's going to be mercedes's personal writer like a uh, brian gortz is for Dwayne johnson so um mercedes monet pulling kind of a power move there uh bringing uh bringing over her own writer from the wwe system and this is exactly what we've been needing is more wwe influence on aew right 
you're expecting me to get really angry. I, I know I, on this, no, and I'm not gonna because no, I got a, no. I got a hot take for you. I got a hot take for you. Okay, on this. okay, go ahead. Have you have did you watch Mercedes Monet's New Japan run? Uh, I did. Yeah. What did you think of her work on the mic? Um, honestly, uh, not good. Yeah, I, but I've I've never been impressed by her on the mic. So. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. Here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. Do I want AEW to be like WWE in any way, shape, or form? No, I do not. Do I want them to maximize Mercedes Monet, who could be a game changer for that company as far as female talent goes? Yes, I do. Yep. Do I think that having her personal book, uh, her personal writer and friend working with her specifically to maximize her talent be a good thing? I do. I think it could be a good. I think it could be a good thing. Again, I tend to try to look at these things optimistically. I don't like shitting on something until I know it's bad. Like, yeah. so I, I, as long as she's not making Daniel Garcia do stupid shit, I'm okay. Right. Yeah. As long as yeah. she stays, because a part of me is like, okay, what do we got in the AEW women's division now? Like, eh, like it's getting better, but it needs work. So if this is what helps Mercedes and gets her acclimated and helps and, and does that fine. And it's hard for me to blame any specific writer for what goes on in WWE because WWE is WWE. No, not yeah. one, not one individual creator has any inf true influence over that program. So I don't know, whatever. If it sucks in six months, I'll say that fucking sucks. But for right now, it's hard for me to get mad. I just don't want scripted promos from, you know, I don't want, I don't, okay. I don't want scripted promos like WWE where like, I say my line, you say your line. I say my line bitch like i hate i hate <laughs> that isn't is that what happens yeah, is that what always happens you, like you, you, you nailed it actually that's, yeah, pretty that's good. what that's what thank you that's what it is i don't want that from aew i want john moxley yeah. and eddie kingston pouring their hearts out to me i want sting talking about the death of oh. his father my god oh, that might be the best promo it. the man ever cut like yeah. it was so raw and emotional as long as she's not telling eddie kingston what to feel well, who cares? And now, yeah. if she can help people who can't get to that, because that's something that's underrated, is having people that can help you. And there's Dusty Rhodes did that in Crockett too. Like, there's always been people behind the scenes that are helping people get better at their promos, right? We can't let people live and die. Like, we talked, this whole big theme of the show has been personal growth, I think, right? We yeah. talked about taking stock in who you are and trying to grow. And as promos, if you're not taught, how to be a good promo it's it's might be hard to learn so if she can help some people find something in themselves i i can't see it as being a, a bad thing now like i said if we're getting scripts for everything if we're not allowed to think and feel and we're trying to fashion everybody into a john cena robot bad bad no bueno but if this helps mercedes be awesome and draw money well fuck they need all the help they can get yeah and i i I've been making fun of this hire, but I, I, I honestly have no problem with the hire. Here's what I have a problem with. I have a problem with people going on to Twitter saying, oh, wow, this is this is an excellent hire. Yeah, I and agree. Like, how, the fuck do you you know? just, how do you know? <laughs> you just learned who this person is right now. And at this point, no one's really like like wrote a story talking about the storylines that she created, right? Or the promos that she scripted that were awesome, right? We don't know if this is a great hire or not. We just know that Mercedes Monet likes her. 
right? Mm-hmm. Like, I know that she did some daytime soap opera stuff. I, I'm not interested in that in pro wrestling. So when you guys are telling me that she got a daytime Emmy, you can wipe a monkey's ass with that daytime. I don't care about that at all. It does not impress me. Right? I want to know what she did in WWE that people actually liked. Now, if you can if you can pinpoint something, let me know. I I would I would appreciate it. But as of right now, no one's provided any evidence that she's pretty good at this job. So you know, bring bring me some evidence that she's good. Now, we might find out in like six months, like you were saying. Like she actually might be she might be the one person to take this women's division over the top and make it interesting again. She might be able to do that. I I don't know. Maybe she's the one that kind of like propels Mercedes Monet into superstar and makes her an actual draw. Right. It could it could be it could be. But uh, for all the people that are lauding this hire, like Sean Ross Sapp was like the first one. He's like, this is an excellent hire. I'm like, Sean, what's your favorite story that she wrote? Like what segment like specifically that she wrote, like cradle to grave is your favorite? What do you think? And the, the answer is that nobody knows. Right. Like we, we do have a mutual friend that like knows her like a little bit. And so he he's pretty high on her and I'll take his word for it. But I'm gonna have to see ex- exactly what it looks like on TV before I before I start saying this is a good or a bad hire. I think Sean's listening to people within the company who who speak highly of her. Yeah, right. So that tells me that she's liked by her peers, which is yeah. a good thing. I I agree. I can't tell you it's a great hire or not. Mercedes feels like it's a good hire. And that's yeah. all I can base this on right now. Is like she in my mind she's the Mercedes whisperer. If she stays yeah. in Mercedes, fine. Just don't tell yeah. Eddie Kingston how to cut a promo. That's all I'm asking. <laughs> yeah, just just don't go to Eddie and say, okay, Eddie, now a little bit more robotic, a little yeah. less emotion, and I want you to slow your cadence down because you're talking to complete fucking idiots that can't follow what you're saying. And then when you're done, stare into the camera uncomfortably long. <laughs> In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, "Ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like, you know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you 
have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. What's going on, guys? This is Rich from the Flagship Podcast here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. If I could have a moment of your time, I'd like to tell you about one of our sponsors, Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock is a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell all three-in-one offering you triple security so you can have everything in one device rather than installing many pieces on your front door but it's not just for security the eufy video lock is also for convenience no more concerns about losing keys and you can assign passwords to your family members and see them coming back home via the integrated cameras Some other great features we love about the eufy video lock is it is easy to install and set up with just a phillips screwdriver no drilling required Keyless entry, no more fumbling for keys when your hands are full. You never have to worry about kids losing keys or passing among renters. You also have 0.3 second, 0.3 second fingerprint recognition and one second unlocking. Again, 0.3 seconds, it's going to recognize your fingerprints and in one second it's going to unlock. And with the AI self-learning chip embedded, the more you use it, the more accurate it will be. Also, no battery anxiety. You have a rechargeable battery in there that could last around four months and you will get a low battery notification before it runs out. Uh, passcode unlocking a remote control with the 2K clear sight. See who's at your door and control from anywhere through the Eufy app. With enhanced night vision, you can have optimized view even in the evening. You can also secure your package delivery by view and two-way audio. And then best of all, no monthly fee. A bunch of other brands out there are going to charge you a monthly fee. You have your recordings locally and you never have to pay for storage. Customer service, Eufy's got you handled as well. They're on standby for you 24-7 so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty all backed by their professional customer service team. Contact them anytime by telephone, email, or live chat. Personally, as a homeowner, I love my Eufy video lock. I have the ability to see what's going on when I'm not home, when packages have has arrived, and, and really the thing I love the most about it, the ease of being able to lock and unlock my doors without having to fumble with my keys, reach in my pocket, or wait, no, crap, they're in my backpack, all that sort of stuff. All this is happening while my dogs are barking at me. You know what? Not anymore with the Eufy video lock. I touch it. 0.3 second fingerprint recognition, one second doors unlocked much much easier so if you want to jump on board with eufy video lock search eufy video lock that is e u f y video lock again that's eufy video lock e u f y video lock or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door You just made me uncomfortable a little bit. That, that's what I, but is that what they do? Am I wrong? Yeah. Is that not what they do uh, on that show? Like, <laughs> I hate it so much. I fucking hate yeah. it. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah. As long as, because remember we were getting there in AEW. Like in the fall, yeah. it started to feel like that. It was, it was getting bad. Well, 
Oh, he, was. he was listening to like the worst people. He was listening to the WWE folks that he brought over, Pat Buck and Sanjay Dutt and Jimmy Jacobs and Bogo Max, who is not WWE, but he's very much like that's what he likes. Mm-hmm. You know, like it started to get that way. And then since like the Continental Classic, it has really gotten back to what we really liked in 2019 when this hating hole started. Like we're getting back there again. And when I hear and see everybody lauding, somebody from the office of WWE that they've never heard of. It, it makes me cringe a little bit. I'm like, okay, who are we fucking hiring next? Marsha from accounting? Who's kind of like Greg from the mailroom? You guys want everybody from WWE? Like they, I, I just, I just don't care. Yeah. I'm with you. You can't tell me so-and-so is a good hire. Cause you don't work there. You don't know what yeah. they do. Like I'm with you hundred percent on this. Like the more right. distinction we can feel, the more I think Tony has the reins of things, the better off we are. And you know how I can tell things are better is when O'Shea Jackson Jr. gets so angry, he blocks us. <laughs> he doesn't block me. He blocks you. Oh, he, he just blo- blocked me? I yeah, he doesn't he block me. Too. Well, I'll no, wear that no. Yeah, no, I even, I even put out a clip from, uh, you know, making fun of him for his bad tweets last week. And I got like, blocked. You got off okay? What the fuck? I. I may I don't know, man. I guess I guess I'm more polite. I don't know. I did I did I did like explain how much I respect his dad, and I still do. I know like like a lot of people are not like Ice Cube senior fans these days, but I can't stop liking liking the guy that I liked my whole life. So sorry, I don't I don't care if his son's a butthead. Son is a butthead. I I mean, like he just has, but he just has terrible wrestling takes. I mean, I love our buddy. I love regular Scott, but he also has (laughs) terrible wrestling takes. I mean, like can't get mad about that. But I mean, yeah. like, I don't know the fact that he blocked me. I'm like, wow, I've tried so hard to get blocked by other people. And it hasn't happened. <laughs> didn't want any of my shit. Yeah. King of the North says uh, her bringing an Emmy to WWE creative meeting is really funny, though. Like they she should brought an like, Emmy to De- whoa, whoa, whoa. She brought so there's an the Emmy whole, to the creative meeting. This was like a big story like five years ago where she got a ton of heat because oh, she was I in a creative meeting that. with Kevin Dunn and Kevin Dunn got like super pissed at her. And she was like in the doghouse for a little bit because of that which i think is hilarious okay, okay hold on i'm gonna spin this i'm gonna spin this differently you know how you have to put it on tv Ke- <laughs> kevin buck teeth ass was probably being un like completely you know insufferable in a meeting and she's like fuck this guy and brought in her emmy just to shut him up like and i think that's I, funny i think that's a ball and yeah. move to be honest with you i like i think that yeah. i think that's fucking awesome because that guy they've wanted an emmy because think of that company has wanted an emmy for so long so badly and to have yeah. her bring hers in and be like oh i have one of these i think that's yeah. fucking awesome to be honest with you <laughs> yeah um PS yeah, but i guess i guess michael michael ps hayes was the guy i had to fit um i i've, I've seen people say it was kevin dunn but i think king of north might be right um and then um either way both vince yeah. sycophants hadley says bring in dave prezak to book the women um, you know what? Like, look, I know people like to laud that Ring of Honor women's division, but I, you know, it was um, that company was on its dying days. That's shimmer, shimmer, was it Shine? Shimmer, shimmer and Shine. Shimmer. Yeah. But he was no, it was um, Maria Canellis was booking the women's division in Ring of Honor, and everybody was like, "Oh, this is the greatest division." But I was like, "Really? They had a tournament. They had a tournament. You she know, booked, yeah. She booked a tournament. She put people in. I mean, like, look, do I not? Should should there be more women in creative positions in wrestling? Absolutely. I don't argue that. I think Maria as the ring of honor booker in its dying days is a little over the top. Yeah. But give, give her an opportunity to be on the team. Count, you know, that that's yeah, fine. Sure. That's, Listen yeah, to voice. Yeah, don't yeah, don't just say like hand, hand to this person, the book, because no. you know, we, we don't know if they've been successful and we're, we're in a company right now that, you know, could use well, here, more okay. success. So. Counterpoint. You're not successful until you are. Yeah, that's true. 
That's true. You know, like you never get yeah. there until you're given a shot at getting there. So maybe, yeah. I don't know, maybe, uh, I'd like to hear people's ideas before saying, well, this person should have a voice. Like, well, do they have good ideas? Like nobody really knows it. We all just assume people would be good at jobs. And sometimes people aren't very good at jobs. Yeah. Well, and I, I hear the same thing about like coaches, like people yeah. are saying like, um, for, for example, the 49ers need a new defensive coordinator. Right. And a lot of people are saying, Oh, Richard Sherman should be the defensive coordinator. I'm like, he's never coached the defense. Like he was a very good player, mm-hmm. but can he call the plays? Like, I don't know. Like you, you got to work your way up or you got to really kill it in the interview. Like, tell me your ideas. Yeah. I advocate for John Muse all the time. It's because I know his ideas. Yes. Like he's actually like, like when we, we were actually going to do a little inside baseball for everybody uh, J- back on the brace for impact days, me, JD and John, we were working up to this um, like fantasy booking show where John was going to present these, this booking idea for this, uh, the Kurt Angle cup. Like it was going to be TNR. For- Bound for Glory, right? It was a Bound for Glory. It, it, no, it was called the Kurt Angle Cup because we were already heading into Bound for Glory at this point. So oh, yeah, okay. we're like the fourth quarter of the year, which Continental Classic ends up happening in like the fourth quarter. So I don't know if that was a coincidence or not. But so we, we the three of us had this idea, the Kurt Angle Cup, and he booked the hell out of this thing. He had all these great, like unique style matches. It wasn't your average tournament. Like it wasn't single elimination either. It was a round robin tournament, but there were stipulations in some of the matches. There was a way to get your points back. There was all kinds of stuff. Like he, like he n- killed this thing. And I'm like, that's like, that's like four months of television right now, but just based off of one tournament. Like I know his ideas, so I can advocate for him. I don't know Jennifer Pepperman's ideas. So, um, but we'll see. We'll, we'll see if, uh, if she's pretty good or not. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna advocate for our friend right now because he's not listening. He'd be texting us if he was, and he's not. He'd here, be in so the chat too. He's he'd be in there. the chat. So like, I'm gonna advocate for our friend who's not here, who's gonna get embarrassed later when he says John Muse has never really been given a shot at a big level. He's always been a guy who's kind of just missed out barely. And I've had a million conversations with this dude about wrestling booking, and he's got great ideas. But because he's never been in the WWE system he doesn't get looked at like it's always like well that guy's never really had and that's what's that's what i say you're not successful until you're given a chance and some people who could be very successful have never have just haven't been given a chance and that's uh yeah you you praise john so i decided to just pick up the ball a little bit do the same yeah uh, absolutely um so man oh we got a couple more topics left all right so i want to get into this one real quick um I think this is a this is pretty interesting news. Um, Ric Flair biopic in the works from Dwayne Johnson and Seven Bucks Productions. Uh, Seven Bucks Productions is developing a project based on the life of the legendary American professional wrestler Ric Flair. The rap can exclus- exclusively reveal. Um, so yeah, Dwayne Johnson, Danny Garcia, Hiram Garcia will produce for Seven Bucks alongside Misher Films and Kevin Misher, with whom they most recently collaborated with on MGM's wrestling themed. Fighting with my family. Okay, that kind of scares me a little bit. <laughs> but yeah, uh, a Ric Flair movie, man. What are your thoughts on Rick, a Ric Flair biopic being in the works? Yeah, I don't really have many on, to be honest with you. Like, you think I'd have like some good takes on this? I don't because movies get put in development all the time. Like, it's like 1% of movies in development get made. So, I mean, like there's yeah. the odds that's actually happening are, are slim just by just by math, right? And did you see Fighting with My Family? Because I did not. No, and I saw the previews for it, and um, honestly, like I was kind of, I kind of liked Paige before that movie, but her promos for the movie, 
I, I just did not want to see her on television anymore. And I have never been interested in her since then. And I have not been interested in anything she's done in AEW. So, and, and maybe that's just, that's a me thing. I don't know. But like the, the leading up to that movie coming out, I was just like done with her. One thing I'll say about that movie is it really kind of helped launch Florence Pugh, right? Between that yeah. and uh, Midsommar. Great. Have you ever seen Midsommar? No, I don't know who Florence Pugh is. I'm sorry. Oh, she's big right now. She's she's okay. Uh, very which, successful. Which other movie? Which like movie that people um, watch? She was in this disaster of film that I would say about this one first. She was in this disaster of film that Olivia Wilde made called "Don't Worry, Darling." That was trash, but she's like great in it. The movie oh, fucking okay. sucked. Uh, she was in the <laughs> black. She was. You see Black Widow? Did you see the new Black Widow? Yes, movie? yes. She's okay. the blonde. She's the sister. Talking. She's the sister. Okay. The yeah. New now, now you're talking my language, Black Widow. Okay. Okay. Yeah, she's yeah. she's she's been in a lot of stuff. She's really good. She was in Oppenheimer okay. just this past yeah, non, year. Non, yeah, Nanza says Oppenheimer there. Yeah, okay. very, very, very good. And fighting with my family was one of the first things that, that got her going. Midsommar, Mike, uh, go go watch that. I'll, I'll have to check that out. Now, a lot of people. So here here's my worry for the movie. You have like 50 years of a wrestling career it's and impossible. you have so many different like chapters. There's no way to encapsulate it. And now everybody wants this movie to take all the good with the bad. And I just don't think that you can do that and have a successful movie. And I think you do need to get to the bad at some point. Right. Like, and everybody wants, like, they want the whole movie to be playing right from hell. Like that's what I think like that's been said something like that earlier today. It's like, Nope, you got to focus on this. You cannot focus on the success. Right. So I think you could do a little bit of both, but I think in this first movie, here's what I would like. And I, and I am, you know, obviously he was like my favorite wrestler growing up. So uh, I get that. I'm a little bit biased. Um, his life is very complicated from birth because he was a child that basically got sold as a black market baby to some doctors in Minnesota. Right. So he, his, his like his origin story is already complicated. And then you, you go up through college and then you got the start of his wrestling career where he's like idolizing dusty roads. And then you get to the plane crash and then he comes back from a broken back in the plane crash. said they're never going to wrestle again to becoming the world heavyweight champion. That's one movie right there. Right. Yeah. Like you can do a whole movie just there. And then the next chapter, him like going crazy in the eighties and all the stuff, and then getting to the WWF and winning that world title. That's like another movie. And then you got like all the drama with WCW, his return to WWF, his son dying, the plane ride from hell, TNA retirement, and then almost dying himself. Like that's like, and that's like a, that's like a three hour movie right there. So you got like three or four movies. Right, just on one guy. I don't know that you can just do like one like bio. Like you have to pick certain time periods. You can't do every time period. No, even the Von Erich movie, like they basically condensed the early eighties, right? Yeah. And then they kind of spit out the rest of it, like to get to to get to Carrie's death. Like they just kind of gloss over a good seven years, right? I don't know how you do that with a Flair movie. And I get that people want to talk about the plane ride from hell and all that stuff because you can't talk about Ric Flair without those things. Yeah. That is Rick part of who Ric Flair is, right? I I don't know how you do this. What do you you have to you have to pick a specific moment to focus on and go yeah. from there and tell like like an Oppenheimer, tell a story about a complicated man. Yeah. Right? Like I don't know. I don't know how else you do it. I don't. I don't. I. I don't envy the task of trying to figure out what this movie is because I couldn't even tell you. Yeah, I mean, they could do the whole like, you know, like Forrest Gump, like or or not. Well, like Saving Private Ryan, where he's like this old man, like reflecting on his life or something. You know what I mean? Like Forrest Gump or like one of one of those types of movies. I don't know, but um, I, I just uh, there's just so much to the guy. 
he's like one of the more complicated, one of the more interesting characters that we've ever had for sure in pro wrestling. And so I, uh, I don't, I don't envy it, but I'm interested to to see what they make of it because, um, but the fighting with my family thing kind of scares me a little bit because I just the previous didn't look good to me. No, I'm, I, I had no urge to see it. Um, I'd advise them not hiring the guy who played Flair in the Iron Claw. Yeah, who who would you get to play Flair? That's a King of the North question right here. Who plays young? Who plays Flair? I think so I think a good my, actor is most important. Who um who do you got? You got someone? I don't have anyone in mind. So my thought, he's a bit older now. He's like older than us. But I my first thought was Bradley Cooper, right? Hmm. But you can do some like CGI or AI to make him look younger. But I thought Bradley Cooper would be like, and I think there was like a rumor that he was going to do it. You know, Ryan Gosling could probably do it. You know, because he look like he's like fifty or whatever, but he looks like he's twenty five still. Son of a bitch. But um, you know, maybe maybe like Bradley Cooper, Ryan Gosling. That's who I would probably think of. Joel Edgerton would be an interesting the guy who played Elton John okay. in the Elton John movie. Uh, he's yeah. pretty good. he's pretty good. Or Austin Butler who just played Elvis. He's young. Yeah, so if you like a young flair. Like yeah. that could, he could do an all right job. I mean, I put him on Austin Butler. Yeah, Austin Butler's a good shout actually. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking about. It. I like I like those calls actually. I think that's a tough one. I, I mean, like Flair's such a character, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, then you have to like take the character, but boil it into who the man is. And I think that'd be an interesting way to tell a story. It's like a man who's gotten so lost in his character that he can't find it anymore. I don't know. Like there's an angle, yeah. but I don't know what time of frame. I don't know what time frame you focus on. I would do the eighties. Cause I just think that's yeah. the most interesting thing personally. I, so I'm, what I would do is I would have like a, either, either a mini, like a mini series, like a 10 parter, or yeah. I would do like a series of movies, like a trilogy. And like the first movie is like birth to Starcade 83. <clears throat> right. That, that's 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 what I would do right there. Yeah. And then like the second movie is like the horseman. And then uh, you know, he gets he ultimately like run, runs into like Jim Hurd and all the drama there with WCW, and then he goes to the WWF. Like I would do that next. You know what the ESPN documentary, the 30 for 30 on Flair was remarkably disappointing because like it was all stuff we'd already seen if we're if you're a wrestling fan, and it was yeah. like it's so truncated. I would almost, I rather than a movie, I would love to see Ken Burns, Ric Flair. Yes. Yes. I dude, I've been wanting Ken Burns to do a thing just on pro wrestling, the way he did, you know, baseball and the civil war and Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I think that, I think he's probably the guy to do it. Um, but he, and he did, he did a really good, like he did really good ones on, uh, on like singular people. He did Muhammad Ali, which I thought he, like knock that one out of the park and then jackie robinson too he like he absolutely destroyed that one yeah that was that was awesome greatest documentary filmmaker ever he's yeah hero yeah and i and i don't even think there's a a second uh (laughs) second in command there all right errol Uh, jd errol oh that's a thin blue line yeah Uh absolutely yeah and then he did it yeah fog of war that was really good and he did one for netflix about the mk ultra that might have actually. Oh, I've never life. seen that one. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> and then now there's like uh there's this there's this book. I want to say the the author is Robert O'Neill. I can't remember, but the book's called Chaos, and it's about like you know the MK Ultra program kind of extending into the '60s and possibly being behind the Manson murders and and uh like oh my Kennedy god this is, like dude this is so Mike Gilbert continue I'm, dude I'm telling you like the the book like. Uh, uh, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty excited for like I have it on my iPad now. It's like my next thing okay. that I'm gonna be into. What is MK Ultra? Educate us. 
Oh, MK Ultra. It's uh, Killer Kelly and Masha Slamovich, the tag team. That's champion. not what I. That's okay. not what I meant. You fucking dickhead. <laughs> no, no, no. It was it was the C, the CIA's like program back in the day where they're using LSD on like unwitting participants and kind of turning them into killers essentially. And then it just went like horribly wrong. And so in this one, they actually followed a family where like the guy, the guy that they did the. And I don't want to like spoiler alert. I, we need to find out the name of this damn thing, um, but the. The family that they they actually sued the CIA, they sued the federal government and won money because really? of because of, yeah because of this because the dad was like working with the CIA. They tested the LSD on him and he ended up killing it like jumping out of a hotel window, and like the the documents got released like later in the seventies, and um, and the family actually got to sue. Oh man, you know what? Now now I have to like look up the, do- the I have to look up the name because now I you need to you need to watch totally, it. Uh, I totally MK derailed Ultra, the show. Errol Moore. Yes, let's see. Wormwood. It's called Wormwood, Wormwood. on Netflix. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah it's pretty he's good. A, he's a phenomenal filmmaker. Thin Blue Lines yeah. is, is is one of the great get you angry about something documentaries. Yeah, yeah, it's it's awesome. Yeah. Um, speaking of get you angry, so we've been covering every week this whole the the total nonstop action chaos that's going oh. on in the. Uh, in the world of TNA, and boy, did it pick up this week. Um, so first, first what happened, in the beginning of the week, it, Fightful Select reported that Steve Macklin's uh, contract is about to expire. It expires at the end of May, um, which I went to Patreon, go to patreon.com slash the Mike and JD show, and I did about a 30-minute rant about how TNA dropped the ball with my guy Steve Macklin. Now everybody's like, Mike, you're very biased in this situation. I fucking know I'm biased. <laughs> Like everybody knows why I love Steve Macken, but I, on top of that, I happen to think he's fantastic and he's, he's absolutely really a guy they could have, they could have built the whole company like around him and like Josh, like, like those were their guys. Right. Well then earlier that, or like on that same day, Josh Alexander takes a Twitter and he tweets out like an hourglass emoji. And then the next thing you know, like the rest of the roster is tweeting it. And then like independent stars are tweeting it. Cause they think it's a cool thing to do a bunch of nerds, but like, and um, the, the very the very next day, Sports Illustrated reports that, uh, and this is the headline: TNA Wrestling um, picks up Josh Alexander's option. Right, they picked up his option, which is something that's pretty like normal in sports. Like right now, the 49ers are about to pick up Brandon Ayuk's fifth year option. Like, well, they're on their rookie deal. That fifth year, if the team picks it up, they they get like a they get a significant bump in pay, but they're not extended out. Like once they pick up that option, like that's it. Like the following year, they become a free agent or they can re, they can extend the deal during the season. So mm-hmm. that's what happened here. So they they picked up his option, and then immediately, I'm sure Alexander like like texted sap he's like hey brother um i didn't want them to do this i was hoping for free agency um and they 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 picked up my option um so that happens um and then on top of all that len asper is on his way from winnipeg manitoba canada um to new orleans this saturday where they're going to have their television tapings and he's going to be addressing the entire locker room um and so that is going to be uh, quite uh, quite the interesting because you know they might as well have like Sean Rossap and Mike Johnson on speakerphone during that because like an exact transcript is going to be written down and uh, given to them because this company is leaking like a sieve right now. Yeah, it's not good. Um, so it's funny because we've been, you know, I've, I've, I haven't, I've been out of the chat yet to probably put me back in soon. Um, so many of our friends have been wanting TNA to be bigger than it is for so long and to hear that they have 
no interest in being bigger like is it must be crushing to someone who really cares about that product to to hear that you're the company that owns you just doesn't really care right as a ring of honor fan i sympathize so like I don't know, man. Like, it seems like there's a lot of, it seems like that was a very harmonious locker room. That is no longer a harmonious locker room. People pick up options. They picked up Deanna's last year. She was pretty open about that. Yeah. Um. So I don't know, man. I think it made mistakes. I think that Josh and, and I think Josh Alexander and Macklin could have been a cornerstone feud in this company and it, and it never really was. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that, uh, I mean, cause Macklin's been there almost three years now and I don't think over three years now. And I don't think they ever really like committed to a guy, right? Cause he rebuilt himself there and they've always were like interested in some other WWE cast off. Right. It just well, puzzled. Me. They were, they were really interested in Scott Demore's guys, right? Like yeah. Josh Alexander is Scott Demore's guy. Yeah, you're right. um, Josh, Josh gets hurt. Macklin wins the title. And then six weeks later, he gives it to Alex Shelley, who was one of Scott Demore's guys. And then Alex Shelley proceeds to hold it for nine months, despite the fact that he only um, defended, I think, like five times. Um, third longest reigning champion in history for the company. And then he drops it to none other than Moose, who is another Scott Demore guy, right? Now, I'm starting to see a lot of the trends with, with some of my frustration with a lot of the company's booking, and it's because uh, Scott Demore had a locker room filled with cronies, I would say. And so, like, some guys are probably getting opportunities over others when maybe others like Steve Macklin would have been better suited for those opportunities. But that's that's how the wrestling business kind of goes, though. Like, you, you stick with the people that you trust. I get that. Um, but here here's the here's the good news about TNA picking up Josh's option because it's going to come. It comes with a raise right now. Since Scott got fired and Anthony Chonchon was put in that position, um we have been led to believe that they're significantly going to slash the budget. This move tells me the opposite, right? Because they're going to, they're going to pick up the option on a guy and, um, and he's going to get a raise for the next year. And now they have 12 months to prove themselves to Josh Alexander about whether or not he wants to stay with this company. Um, and so I think, I think like Josh will be frustrated. I understand why TNA did it. They're kind of in a lose, lose situation here because if they didn't pick it up, they just lost their top guy. Right. Like they just, they just he, he's absolutely like he's the guy that they build the company around. So they lose him. And um, a lot of people like only like like outsiders only come to watch TNA because like, oh, Josh Alexander has really good matches. Right. And so um, that that's that's the tough thing there. So they, they picked it up. He's probably a little bit pissed, but they got 12 years to make it or 12 months to make it up to. him. It's not what happened with Deanna. They picked up Deanna's yeah. option. They, they jobbed her for a year. So, I mean, well, so they here, here's what happened with Deanna, though. Deanna didn't know that she had an option in her contract. Josh knew like, and they did a, they did a press release together. Like TNA quietly picked up Deanna's contract, picked up her option. She was pretty salty about it. And then they proceeded to beat her like a drum for 12 months. I don't think they're doing that to Josh. I could be wrong. I, I just don't see I don't that. I mean, like, cause Deanna, it seems like it seems to me now maybe I'm reading this wrong. Josh starts tweeting that he wants out. That's what an hourglass means. That means I'm waiting it out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then they go, Nope. Yeah. We're picking you up. That's a fuck you, man. Well, here's the thing. That story got posted after the hourglass, but Josh did the interview with Sports Illustrated. They probably had done the interview a couple days prior to all that happening. So, like, I think I think but, they all knew what was going on. But we know about that. That's what we know about. Yeah. Like, yeah. what is it? 
what has it been like there? I mean, I'm sure the hourglassing isn't the first time that, that someone has voiced displeasure, right? Like the, it just, I don't know. Like I'm not, I'm not sold that they're going to try to prove themselves to Josh in a year. I think they could be like, Oh, okay. Well, fuck well, you. My, yeah. My, my, th- my thing is, is that if, uh, if they were really looking to slash the budget, they would have just let him walk. Right. So that that was that's my whole thing. So I I think that is at least somewhat of a positive. And I think Joe Lanza was the first one that I saw make that point. It was not really anything that I actually had like thought about. I, I thought I mostly thought of it as a negative because I'm like, you know, like Mike Tomlin said whenever um Le'Veon Bell wanted to leave the Pittsburgh Steelers, he was his position was like, look, I didn't recruit hostages. Like if he wants to go, just let him let like let him go. But um also, Le'Veon Bell is just like a running back, so they could easily they easily replaced him. He was pretty good, but um, Josh Alexander is not like, you know, he's like kind of one of the cornerstones of the company. I don't think they just really just didn't want to lose him. No, I, I mean, I, I get that. At the same time, like we talk about the time, we'll just let guys go, but that doesn't happen very often in wrestling. No, like no. Andrade could have walked into the AEW locker room with a machete and just started swinging at people until it kind of like. You know, I think I'm gonna keep him around till his contract expires. You know, sure he's killed yeah. six people, but I mean, like, ah, eh, it's good money. Like, they just, they just don't, they just don't do that. So I mean, ah, I want, I'm not saying you're wrong. I just want to, I want to see how the next six months play out. Uh, I th- yes, I think I. Like I'm not saying it's at like I'm speaking absolutes. Like I don't think it's like an absolute. But like this whole thing can go sideways quick because sure. we like you know much like Peppermint. Like I never heard of this Chon Chon guy until until he got hired. Right now, here's what I do know about him. He's been an Anthem corporate stooge for like 12 years or whatever, like 16 years, mm-hmm. right? And so it's like, and then uh, then what you have is like, okay, what's his track record like? Well, he's been part of Fight Network. Well, has Fight Network actively grown since he's been there? Well, the mm-hmm. answer is no. In fact, cable has only gotten smaller. Some of that's his fault, probably. And some of that's not, right? Um, and now, now he's going to be working over here, and they're going to be mer- they merged everything under the Anthem Entertainment Group umbrella. So it's kind of a corporate restructuring. Um, but here's what I do know: the booking was pretty stale for a long time. It was so bad. In fact, I have to host an Impact podcast by myself. But like, that's how bad it got. Sorry. <laughs> like, so that's, so that's, that's how bad it got. So hopefully they could bring in somebody with some new ideas. Now they brought in one of their other guys who's going to kind of run up the television production side um, named Ariel Schneer. Um, that uh, actually John Pollock and Waiting Schneer. Yeah. Uh, John Pollock and Waiting actually spoke highly of him because they all work together at the Fight Network. And they said he is absolutely a wrestling guy. It's like, okay, well, I've never, like, I, I didn't know that about him. Right. So I, I, but I am not like hopeful. I, uh, I think no surrender. This happening tomorrow night is going to be pretty inter- interesting. I'll be talking about it on the, uh, on the podcast this weekend uh, for uh, Brace for Impact right here on the patreon.com slash the Mike and JD show. I'll have that out this weekend. Um, but Len Asper is going to be addressing the troops. So last week, uh, the TNA roster banded together and actually wrote him a letter, wrote, wrote him a letter, um, almost begging him to bring Scott back. And um, Mike Johnson reported earlier today that that is not going to happen. But Len Asper is going to uh, going to address the troops. And here's how I think it's going to go. He's probably going to say, like, guys, sorry, we lied about firing him. We did fire him. And that's because not only does he fuck one of the members of the roster, um, whenever we hired him a month later, he went ahead and booked himself in the co-main event, a slam anniversary in his hometown. And he won. And then he proceeded to to push Big Con and to hire Simon Gotch. So we said, "Fuck this, we're out." 
Um, so maybe can, Anthony Ciccioni can do better. <laughs> can I be honest with you, man? Like, I know people are upset about this Scott Demore thing. I've never seen a more overrated guy in my whole life. Like, this is the dude who's like, I couldn't stand what was happening in the company for a good year before I, I left it. Like, I don't, I know people are upset because they like everything, but I mean, like, is it that great of a loss? I mean, I don't, this Choncho guy, he's got very, uh, hurt yes. very hurty. <laughs> JD, don't say Chonchon. That's my joke. Uh, it's oh, Chichoni. It's okay, Chonchon is a, your joke. I it's a, was it's a derogatory term in Spanish that I got from American me, and I'm waiting for someone to actually look that up so they can laugh about it. Oh, but I, I don't. Know. I don't want you to like get caught saying because you're like a teacher. Oh, I don't want you to get in trouble. Yeah. I didn't know. I thought that was the guy's name. My bad. <laughs> I, I forgot what it was. I, mean, I I thought I just assumed you've seen American me. Like like no, I, I guess you're not. Me. You're you're not watching like uh, Hispanic '80s movies about Mexican gangs in prison. I saw Blood in Blood Out. <laughs> okay, okay. America, so I just uh, yeah, I missed, I missed that one. Um, so I <laughs> yeah. withdraw. I withdraw that statement. The higher, the higher seems very hurdy, very hurt esque. Yes, yes, yeah. So, but again, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't think we'll be asked. Some guy. So I forget. I think it might have been uh, Nanzo in the chat. Was had TNA ever talked to John Muse? Yeah. I'll say it. I know they had some conversations. Scott didn't. I shouldn't talk. Well, I don't like know, Scott Moore all that much either. We'll just leave it at that. Well, here, here, here's the thing. Here's why everybody's upset. Is because Hard to Kill was very successful for TNA. There's, there's no two ways, but over thirty thousand buys on pay per view for good. a that's TNA good. show, right? Mm -hmm. That's really fucking good, right? And all of the wrestlers are upset. Like, mm -hmm. and like one by one, they took the social media, and I think that got everybody riled up. But look, if they're not making the money that Anthem wanted them to make, right? I I get it. I get why you would why you would make this move. Um, but it's like, okay, ultimately, it's in the execution. Like, who are you replacing them with? Is the replacement better? We don't know the answer to that question yet because it's very much like you said, uh, Jim Hurd, or it's like at least when Eric Bischoff got hired in WCW, like he had been in wrestling for a while and he kind of like knew this television side of the business and he was very good at like marketing. Like that was his like area of expertise, but Jim Hurd just managed like a St. Louis television station that uh, the end of like St. Louis wrestling was on or like that's, that's his claim to fame. And so that's kind of like what to show that he managed fight network. Like that's what he's, and now, now he's the president of TNA wrestling. So we're going to see how this thing works out. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know how it's going to play out, but I will be covering. And I got to be honest with you, JD, Brace for Impact has gotten a lot more fun now that there's drama. Because believe it or not, like over, more more often than not, like over the course of our podcast together uh, on Brace for Impact, like they were relatively drama free. Like they would like yes. like wrestlers would like their contracts would expire and they would go elsewhere. That was like the worst thing that happened in that company during the entire run that we had together. But now, like, Demore's getting fired. Josh Alexander's talking shit. Steve Macklin's talking shit. Like, Jordan Grace is all mad. Moose Moose is, like, a sensible guy. Like, Moose is, like, you know, he was upset at first, but he was, like, he was on a podcast yesterday, and he was uh, he was, he was was talking about it. He guys, well, look, you, grow, you get accustomed to these things. He goes, my first year in the NFL, the guy that drafted me ended up getting fired uh, going into my second year. And that continued to happen for eight years in my NFL career where I was like going from team to team and like people get fired because these things just happen. He goes, right. I he goes, I'm, we're not working together, but the guy's still my friend and my mentor. Um, so oh, hold on. King of the North wants to get into a fight. Hold on. Let's see. <laughs> he said, Mike, they're booking top dollar. Yes, I understand. And he, and I think earlier he asked earlier, he asked, what do I, what do I think about the, uh, the dream team? 
the dream team of Greg uh, Valentine and Bruce Beefcake. Oh, even better, sir. Diener and AJ Francis teaming up this Woof. weekend on Saturday. Main Woof. event in any arena in the in the look. Okay, county. <laughs> yeah, in the county, county fair. I'll be honest. I'm not a big fan of Top Dollar. In fact, I've named him Dollar General, and that's his name on the show. So when you guys talk about Dollar General, Dollar please General. use that. Please use that name. I'm trying to get it over. Um, <laughs> I, I I'm not a big fan, of him, but here's what I will say: they treat him like an absolute dork, and that entertains oh. me. The the yeah. fact that they just kind of like they shit on him and like make fun of him and call him like a shitty rapper who who can't dive over ropes and Joe Hendry makes songs about him. He's already made two. Like I, I think that's kind of funny, right? So if they're just continuing to treat him like a geek, I'm, I'm, you know, and it's on. Like he, like his that match is going to be on Explosion, okay? Like that's that's what that's going to be. Like they're taping the match this Saturday, but it's going to be on like their pre-show. So I, I, I really don't care. Top Dollar said, "I cannot believe JD stepped on your bit like that." Was that like the the the, the chone chone. oh man well he he, he didn't, didn't know step it was on bit. it i just I didn't, didn't want, i don't want him getting in trouble for saying something he shouldn't i didn't saying. know That's... it was a bit <laughs> i had no idea i was stepping on a bit i wouldn't have done it if i didn't known that um yeah, yeah i don't know man tna is a disaster right now it does make me want to go back to brace there <laughs> it's Honestly, it's pretty fun. I I've had a lot of podcasts and the video and the videos are doing great on YouTube. Everybody go to the Mike and JD Show YouTube channel. Make sure you hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, and to continue to comment on our videos, I would greatly appreciate it. Um, Nonzo, Nonzo, ask me this question whenever I do brace for impact. We'll get into that because uh, JD's falling asleep again, so we got to get out of here. I'm good. I'm up. I'm, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm, kidding. I'm busting your balls. You haven't been, you've been gone for two weeks. I'm busting That's your true. chops. I need, I need some right. ball busting. <laughs> but yeah, go to the Mike and JD show YouTube channel. Make sure you're a subscriber, like, and comment on the videos and then go to patreon.com slash the Mike and JD show. Tons of content. I'm going to have two brace for impacts out this weekend and no surrender review. And then JD is making his return. Wrestling season is over. So JD will be back with the JD. I'll leave a project. Uh, you got any words on that JD? I'm going to do a, I just tweeted, uh, you gave me an idea about like this book stuff. I've been doing these like book recommendations on my Facebook page. And I only get to say so much about it. So I, I tweet, I, I went out today and I had a lot of thoughts about this weird ass book that I just finished reading. Um, it's wild. Like it's so out of my comfort zone and I want to, I got to get them down. I got to get them out there. Cause I need, I could write an essay on this. So I decided I'm going to do a JD Oliva project about this kind of stuff. I promised my friend I'd talk to them about it first and then I'm going to lay that down this weekend. So yeah, it should be fun. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. And then don't forget about Sting Week next week, starting Sting. on Monday on the Mike and JD Show YouTube channel. Sting. <laughs> Sting. Do you remember I thought, Tulsa? I thought, about, I thought about uploading the uh, the Black Scorpion one, too. But we already did that on the Voices of Wrestling. We but we didn't, do it on our, we didn't do it on our page, though. Maybe I'll That's just do true. that, too. That's yeah. true. Maybe, maybe I'll, do, I'll, like, re, I'll, I'll upload the Black Scorpion. How much trouble will that one get us into? We just have YouTube As videos, long as I bro. don't. As long as I only do the audio. As long as I only do the audio, that's fine. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But if I do okay. the video, we're we're screwed. So YouTube's stupid. It's just yeah. stupid. Yeah. But all right, guys. I, I think that's gonna do it for us this week. It was a really good show today. I, re- I greatly appreciate all you guys being here live in the chat. It really helps out the show. Um, and thank you very much for that. Um, and until next week, mahalo. Uh, 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 uh. Competition starting to get thick, it's the click So I hope you watch your A-game, amen No way, from the track when we unite and spit This isn't A-game, better bring your A-game Competition starting to get thick, it's the click So I hope you watch your A-game, amen No way, from the track when we 
Cheering at pro wrestling shows in Japan is back, and 2023 is already shaping up to be a big year in the history of pro res. That's why you should listen to the Emerald Flow Show. From the Royal Road to the Green Mat, Paul and Gerard take you into the world of All Japan Pro Wrestling and Pro Wrestling NOAA. Not only do we analyze events, but we examine business, who is getting over, what angles are working, or not. Occasionally, we take a look at other Japanese promotions like DDT and Zero One. So if you're looking for more coverage of the world of Japanese wrestling, check out the Emerald Flow Show on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, available on all of your favorite podcast apps.